0: Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA member FDIC.
1: Boarding in progress.
2: Three, two. And welcome back to the Rock Chuck Podcast. I am your host, Andy Mitz. Today has some bad news to recap. Um, But Kansas is not going to win them all uh, They went on the road up to Ames And ended up dropping that game We get to recap that one A little bit of recap for the women as well It just was not a good weekend Thankfully, the two people that are on this podcast Root for the Kansas City Chiefs And they were able to salvage the weekend for us So to help me do that Help me talk about all of that Would be my deputy editor over Blue Wings Rising Kyle Davis Kyle, how you doing today?
0: Yeah, I think it might be the combination of of it of Patrick Mahomes leading uh another Chiefs team to the Super Bowl and the fact that it's like mid fifties out, it just did school pickup and it and it wasn't freezing and which was like a shock to the system in a good way that yeah, maybe maybe it's a combination of those two things while uh the sky is not falling even though it wasn't the greatest game uh on Saturday.
2: Yeah, I mean, you could be it's weird cuz I was expecting a lot more of the, you know, skies falling because they can't seem to win on the road against decent even halfway decent teams, but I didn't see a ton of that. And and honestly, I think that is the right kind of way to approach it. This is not like going up to Hilton is difficult. It's not like you go up there expecting to win. And this is a, a Iowa State team I thought that had that the way that they play the way that their defense is, was going to make it difficult for Kansas to score. The real question was going to be, can Kansas return the favor? And when you have a historic night for Iowa State in terms of them shooting threes, I don't know that that was that big of a deal. You also take a look, like Ken Palm, neither team moved uh, in terms of their Ken Palm rating, so it's not like this was unexpected Kansas only dropped one spot in the poll today. Uh dropped from seven to eight on the on the A P. poll. I haven't actually seen the coaches poll yet, but uh I mean, they were eighth in the coaches poll last week. I believe they're still top ten, so I just, uh, you know, I don't feel like this is all the doom and gloom. Yeah, they're ninth in in the coaches pool now. Um, like this isn't the doom and gloom I think that a lot of people were afraid of with the UCF and the you know and, and the uh, the West Virginia games because this is a team that you go and you lose at their at their at their spot. It's not a disappointment. Like those are going to happen. Those are the kind of games you that if you win, they give you a huge leg up in the conference race. But if you lose them, it's not that big of a deal because you're expected to.
0: Right, and it's and it's also I think it, and and I'll get to this probably a little bit later with some of the like historical context. I think it also helps the fact that these games are not like Kansas isn't getting run off the court, and we've seen some some good Kansas teams get run off the court on the road before. Um, actually, it's funny I noticed today's t- January twenty ninth as I um, was looking through past Kim years, uh, it was January twenty ninth, twenty twenty two. Uh, where we just got absolutely obliterated by Kentucky at home, uh that then, you know, we go on to win the national championship. So like I think maybe part of that is is interesting is that Iowa State had a chance to maybe they got what, they got up to nine, they got up to eleven a couple of times. There is a chance where this game could have ended with Iowa State winning by eighteen or twenty. And I think um that's something that you've seen is whether it's the, you know, West Virginia game, which I know that one, you know, those are ones you're supposed to win. But even like the the Indiana game where it looks really bad for 30 minutes. And then that time they actually come out with a win. Like there is this team isn't getting pushed around for a full 40 minutes and they keep fighting and they're scrapping and they're making teams think like Iowa state, like if you're going to come away with a victory, like you're going to have to earn it for the entirety of the time. And so I think that is one of the bright spots that we can talk about. And there are others too. Um, because like that's one of those things where like that could have gotten out of hand in that environment uh with with a with a lesser mentality team like that that could go from eleven with four minutes left to eighteen by the end of the game, and it didn't uh and so I think that that definitely is a testament and when you look at even just the box score i mean this is two very evenly matched teams, except one of them went nuts from three and the other one really struggled to shoot. I mean, you look at Iowa State's the best team in the country uh, at forcing turnovers and steals. Kansas only turned it over 12 times. That's pretty good for them. Uh, TCU, I think it was TCU, had 26 turnovers against Iowa State uh, like two weeks ago. At home. Um, I, at home. You worry about the offensive glass and just the rebounding in general. Yes, Iowa State had 10 offensive rebounds. Kansas had 11. They actually won the rebounding battle. Not too bad. Um, like the steals. Like again, Iowa State is number one in the country in steal percentage eight steals to, to Kansas is five is not it, it's pretty even there and so there was one big variable which was three-point shooting and then it was Kevin McCullough going you know well he was three for 16 before a couple of those threes happened at the very end um, like one team couldn't make a shot for long stretches and the other one had had guys like Trey King who had not made more than one three all year hit four of them and, and Iowa State even the, the funny thing to remember not funny Funny, funny, sad, not funny, haha, is uh, with the three point shooting, is that they started one for four. And then, you know, they had that stretch in the second half where they hit six for six. Like, that's one of those is like, what are you going to do? Um, you know, Kansas even made its free throws. And I thought that if this got into a free throw battle more at the end, like that, that's an opening. So I think that's part of the reason why you're not seeing as much um, of the doom and gloom is that this team continues to fight to the end, even if they lose. And this was one of those where, like, you know, Iowa State was not better. They, they did not look like the, just the pure better team. They were better on that one day.
2: Right. Um, I mean, Iowa State, you know, on the season is a 35.5% three-point shooting team. They shot – So good, not great. Right. They shot 47%. Right.
0: Like, yeah. With with, with guys who – and the other part of this, I know that they're talking about a lot about the scouting report. Like, your, your scouting report does not say, "Hey, you have to really close out on Trey King. He's, he's not a good three point shooter." Again, like if you want to look through even Trey King's numbers and, and his game log going in here, like let's let's just look at Big Twelve play for I mean, Trey King. Well, b- before the easiest before thing the game. to look at, was, though
2: is last year he was four of fifteen on the season in three pointers. Right. This game, and even here, like he was four of nine. A, <laughs> I'm sorry, four of seven. He didn't make
0: his this game. Yeah, Yeah. he didn't make his first three until of the season this year until December 31st, and he went one for two. In Big 12 play, he went 0 for 1, 1 for 3, 1 for 3, didn't take a three for two straight games, 0 for 2, and then 4 for 7. So, like, yes, I know you got to close out better, and, like, Hunter, you'd love for him to get out there uh, more, but, like, that's not in the game plan. Like, if if you're asking one of us to create a, a scouting report of Iowa State, and we do it, like I, I do the previews for each game. I didn't have anything about Trey King making three pointers and you got to be able to close out on him because that wasn't a, a concern. So that's where some of it is just like, you know, it's this interesting thing where it's both people I've seen enough. It's like, okay, this is happening so much. Is it really luck? Or is it a trend? Like, I think it's probably a both on some of it. You know, I distinctly remember the Johnny Furphy got slow coming off from under a screen and, and um, Milan Micevich you know, was wide open. Now he's a guy that you can't sag up of, off of. And he had a, open three at the top and drained it. Like some of those are, Hey, you got to work around screens better. Others like the trade King stuff is like, that's, that's not coaching. That's not scouting report. That's one guy who hadn't done anything literally all year, just has a complete anatomy. And, uh, 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 geez, see, I can't even talk. Um, he, he basically just he has has his game that you're not going to see the rest of the year uh, from him. So, like, what do you What are you supposed to do about that?
2: Yeah, I mean, you also look at, I forget who it was that actually tweeted this, and, and maybe you remember. Um, number one defense in the nation, Houston. Percentage
0: of... I think that was Derek oh, Johnson. Oh, Derek, yes, uh, the, it was uh, Derek uh, yeah. Johnson.
2: Yeah, okay. So I'll actually pull that up so I can read it verbatim, but essentially talking, you know, like, the biggest complaint that I think a lot of people have is that, oh, Kansas is giving up so many unguarded shots. Like, you know, they're just wide open for three. And I think a lot of that is, like, you look at the players that are getting wide open threes for the beginning of games. Oh, yeah, it's the guys that you don't expect to shoot threes. Kansas does a better job of closing out at the end of the half or the end of the games. But it's also, you know, like, you don't expect, like, if if guys are going to jack up threes that don't typically jack up threes, you typically will live with that because that means that they're not throwing it inside. You know, Kansas Kansas two-pointer, I'm sorry. Iowa State gets 53 55% of their points from inside the arc. Um you know, can or and they they shoot 55% from inside the arc as well. Kansas held them as a whole to much lower than that. Uh you know, they were 45%. 14 to 31. So Kansas did like they looked at what Iowa state normally does. They were able to shut that down quite a bit. I like, I, I just, it's, it's one of those where a lot of people are upset because this defense is not as good as it was in prior years. But I honestly think that there's one, a little bit of bad luck and two, just, you know, this is a defense. I think that is uh, I still think this defense is, is potentially as good. They're just not nearly as deep, which means that there are going to be stretches where they're just God awful tired.
0: Yeah, and I do think, you know, this game, if, if the turning point it did feel like in this game was the end of the first half where you have the flagrant foul um, on Parker and then the Bill Self technical and you go from Kansas being up one to being down three without or maybe even down four without even, yeah, down four without even touching the ball. So like that I feel like was a huge momentum play. And now, don't get me wrong, it absolutely was the right call. Like, we've seen it. It was the same thing with uh, Uday uh, at the end of the TCU game. Actually, and if anyone watched the Baylor TCU triple overtime game, which was wildly entertaining, Uday got called for another flagrant. Poor guy in uh, the, either the second or third overtime on the same thing. He's going for the ball. It's completely incidental, but he, he hits him in the face. They call it flagrant. Like, I'm not arguing, saying that there's plenty of things we could talk about with refereeing just in general, but that was not one I don't think. I just think that that. Um, combined with the the technical and just that swing right there with 34 and a half seconds left, I thought was huge because if you weather the storm and you go up, up one or up three or whatever it is, then that's just a, such a different mentality than having to immediately have to claw back being down four. And, and granted, Kansas did. They, they started off pretty well, went straight to Dickinson to start the second half. Adams was aggressive. He had a great second half. But then, but then you have the, the Iowa State three point barrage, and it just wasn't enough to do it. So I thought that was, um, I don't know, to me, like in, in, in talking about singular plays, and singular plays do not obviously uh, aren't completely responsible for the outcome of a game. But that's just really stuck up, stuck out as like, man, what you know, if that goes differently, what does the second half look like?
2: Yeah. So so the tweet that we were talking about per synergy, forty two percent of shots taken against the KU defense have been unguarded. That number is about 40% for Houston, which is the top defense in the country. So, yeah, Kansas does need to, like, tighten up their defense. I think every team needs to tighten up their defense in some fashion. Um, But considering there's so many teams that are just shooting open threes, because it's teams that don't typically shoot threes, and Kansas is playing the percentages. But, like, when they get going, they get going. I mean, you know, Iowa State up 51 to 40, you know, just like 13 minutes left in the game. And Kansas is able to shrink that over time. Like it took a little bit of time, but they were consistently shrinking that throughout the rest of the game and made it a competitive game. And that's really what you can ask for in a in a Big Twelve like this. We know that Hunter Dickinson, um, you know, is dealing with a knee injury. We know that Kevin McCullough is dealing with a knee injury. You could tell Hunter Dickinson, I don't think I actually saw him like jump, like actually jump as opposed to like bounce a little tiny bit off the floor. I don't see him I don't think I actually saw him jump other than the tip off. Like that was it. And then after that, he was pretty much on the ground most of the game. You can tell that his knee's bothering him. Um, the real question is just going to be how long it's going to take him to get back. But right now, and, and Bill Self said this after the Cincinnati game, like this is a survive every week, put yourself in a position to get into the tournament, and then when you get to the tournament, the fact that you have hardly any depth on this team doesn't really matter as much, except for foul trouble. And so I'm not that concerned I you know besides we have fully now set the pattern that the games that Kansas plays bad in right are the games they play in conference on the road against teams that do not come back to Allen Fieldhouse this year so it is wild how that's I know that means that Kansas is going to be undefeated except for going to Texas Tech because Texas Tech does not come back to Allen Fieldhouse so that's it Kansas is going to lose to Texas Tech and then they're done like the rest of it is all wins. So, you know, Houston on Saturday, we're going to, we're, we're going to beat Houston. It, it may be ugly, but we're what we're going to beat them because the pattern has to hold.
0: <laughs> oh man. And, and it is, it, it's also interesting this time of, of year. Cause again, I told you, I was, I was going back through past seasons in Kim and just looking at some of the trends. And so, and, and one of the reasons why is I'll get to, is why I'm, I'm feeling optimistic, but just as an aside, it's interesting. Some of the different years I pulled out, um, 2012 lost on January 28th and again on February 4th both on the road 2016 lost on January 25th to Iowa State on the road 2018 lost on January 23rd at Oklahoma on the road January or er, 2022 obviously the, the Kentucky beatdown on January 29th like this is the, this is the grind part of the season where it's just like road games at this point like weird stuff happens you're not going to play well all the time I think that's another reason why I'm not too worried yet because, again, I was, I was looking back to see, like, there's some stretches that like we've had in late January, early February of Kansas teams that makes it feel like the sky is falling and yet it doesn't have uh, an indication of postseason, you know, like um, ceiling or anything like that. Again, if you want to look at, at 2012, they lost uh, two road games and in, in, in two games total and three Games they lost at Iowa State on the 28th, and then they lost at Missouri on the 4th. It gave them five losses by February 4th, pretty close to where we're at now. Um, 2018, the final 14 had six losses by February 10th. They lost on the road, uh, let's see, three times. They lost two of three road games, and then they lost at home to Oklahoma State. If you remember, that's the backflip game. Um, or no, that's not the backflip game, but that was still another on there. Uh, 2012. Yeah, they lost uh, – uh, we talked about the Kentucky game. They also lost on February 6th at Texas. And, again, some of these that we're talking about here are like blowout losses that we haven't had. The, the year we won the title, do you guys like, remember some of these losses? They lost by – let's see. They, well, obviously they lost by Kentucky loss. They lost by um, eight on the road to Texas Tech. They lost at 10 on the road to Baylor. They lost 10 on the road to TCU. Um, you look at the, the 2018 team, they got – they lost by twelve at home to Texas Tech. You've got the you've got the sixteen point loss uh, at Baylor on February tenth. And honestly, the team that kind of the resume that looks similar and I, I feel like we could compare this team to is that twenty sixteen team that should have that, yeah, that made I the Final Four, too. except for the Villanova. So they lost, if you remember, three straight road games, uh, and they didn't lose multiples because they had home games in there. But January twelfth on the road at West Virginia, you lose by uh, eleven. Then you win at home against TCU. Then you come back. You lose on the road in Stillwater by 19. Not good. You come back at home. You beat Texas. Then you go on the road to Ames, and you lose by 13. After that point on January 25th, that team did not lose the rest of the regular season. Then they won the Big 12 tournament. Then they went to the Elite Eight and, and almost beat Villanova in the game that Devonta Graham gets fouled, and we can go over that. But my point is, like, there's been these stretches where you have three game losing streaks. You have uh, three road bosses in a row at the end of January. Like, you mentioned it. Like, these, these Bill Self teams are, are still kind of figuring it out at this point, and I think if you want to look at this team and say, is there a silver lining? It's the fact that they've lost these three games by a combined 15 points there hasn't been that drubbing and there's been the, the potential to now, probably not for um, the West Virginia one, I guess it could have gotten out of hand with just the way they were shooting threes. The Iowa state one, again, it could have been, but like to, to have those be games in the final two minutes uh, and be one possession could go either way. Yes. It stinks. It's really frustrating that they have lost all three of those. It's really frustrating that, frustrating that these teams are, are going just bananas from three point range. But, like, if you want to just look at history, this does not mean now all of a sudden that Kansas can't make it to the Final Four or or anything else. Like, these, this happens in every really good Kansas season outside of maybe 2008, which one of those. And then we have plenty of years, like, you know, 29, 2010 where we don't really have a lot of these. But then there's still disappointment in, in the postseason. It goes both ways. But, but, but um, I
2: mean, even that, that 2008 team had a puzzling loss on the road to Oklahoma State, you know, February 23rd. Right, yeah. So, like, it was later. But... You know, I think the main point to take away from this, and this isn't unique to Kansas, this is the time of the year where teams are really figuring out who's going to be in their rotation. You know, guys that are going to develop in season are doing it at this point. Like, this is when you start to get those contributions from, from freshmen and from transfers that just needed some extra time. Um, teams change at this point. Like, this is the point where teams develop the most over winter break and then coming in for, like, the first month of the se- of the conference season – that's how you're figuring out what your team is going to be getting ready for the tournament. For you know, like losses in this time of year aren't that uncommon for 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 even the best teams, and so this is not unique to Kansas. We're just not used to I think having multiple other teams that are up there and really good as well. I mean, you have Houston up there, you have BYU up there, you have Iowa State up there now. You know, Baylor's playing really well, although, like you said, that that Baylor triple overtime game was painful to watch at the end. Like it was very much a, these two teams just need to go home and go to bed. uh, But someone's got to actually win first. So, but yeah, I mean, you know, this is just, this, this happens. This is the kind of weird chaos that's going to happen. And you're in the big 12, the most difficult conference in the country. There is not a single venue in this conference with, well, no, I mean, I, I can't think of a single venue in the conference that has a bad home environment. I, I just, I can't think of one except for maybe tech a, like a seven game yeah. losing streak. But yeah.
0: But even, but even when Kansas comes to town, they're going to still, you oh, know, right. Right. The, yeah. yeah. And, and I think it, it, maybe another way to put it is this, let me ask you this. Would, would you trade two road losses in January for Johnny Furphy playing 30 minutes and averaging 15 and seven the rest of the way? Like, you would. Like, he's – he's like, the the UCF loss is what got him into the starting lineup. The last couple games, he's if you're interested, since the Oklahoma State game, he's played 33, 31, 36, 35 minutes. Like, he's – the emergence of Johnny Furphy, if what he gives you in February and March, and then you can figure out the the bench a little bit, like, that's – if it goes the way it could go, that is worth two losses in January. And what we mean by, like, figuring it out, too, and figuring out the lineups. Like, it was that UCF loss that – that fueled the, the decision to try and throw him in the lineup and, and get a spark and whatnot. And like, look what it's done since then. So yes. If you came to me and like, Hey, would you, uh, would you trade the UCF loss uh, for what you've got out of Johnny Furphy and what you'll get from him going forward? Yeah, absolutely. It's, it was frustrating at the time. It's not a great loss. It doesn't look great, but also UCF has done that to a couple teams since then. And like Johnny now is only looking more comfortable out there and and looking better in other facets of his game, like his rebounding and, and the defense is getting better. Even though he slides his feet and still gets called for a foul every once in a while, um, so yeah, like these are some of the trade offs you have to get. You got to trade off some of the some of the losses in January for it. And, and there's and the other thing about running through some of these past years too is I don't know that big that Kansas is going to win the Big Twelve this year, but like they've had some rough stretches where they've lost three of five or whatever else and still you know, went on a run and clinched it. But again, like the Big 12, we, we put a lot of stock into this fans, much more than others. Like, you can ask Duke fans or others. Like, they don't really care about regular season conference titles. They're all in it for March. And I think if you told fans for this group, like, hey, would you rather then win the Big 12 this year or make a Final Four? Obviously, we know what people are going to pick. So, like, the the season's not dead yet though. Like there's still a, a, it's, it's so, I mean, Houston could lose at Texas tonight um, and shake things up like, and then, and then lose on Saturday against Kansas and be in a completely different spot. Who knows? um, You know, we're, we're taping it before that game. But um, I do think, yeah, this, there's quite a few reasons the more we talk through it, why it's like, it's not time to hit the panic button. Now, if, if we're in mid February and I'm trying to think of who like Kansas state just got done making 16 threes in, in one in Manhattan. And then, you know, like Texas tech somehow scores 80 in, in Lubbock or whatnot. Like, and I don't even know if we go to Texas tech this year. Uh, I mean, I should we have do. pulled up the schedule, but
2: they don't, they don't come back. Remember? So that's the only one that we're going to, so that is a
0: loss. Yes. Yeah. That's a loss. Yep. Um, so, yes. So, you know, like if it's still happening in three weeks, that's going to be frustrating as well. Maybe it'll, maybe it'll be a sign of, of, you know, deeper ingrained issues within the the team and just the makeup. But like right now, this is still a, man, that's a really unlucky stretch, but not a reason to panic. Yeah. I
2: mean, the only one, the only game you look at that if they lose it the rest of the way is like potentially panic worthy is if they drop this one coming up against Oklahoma state, because that's one that they are favored, you know, by 15 points, basically like they are, you know, a 90% victory on Ken Palm, but like, you know, playing against Houston at home, that's going to be a tough game. I could see them losing that one as long as they don't get blown out. Like, you know, if you, if you dropped, if you told me right now that we dropped four of the next seven, right, by an average of four points each, I'd be okay with that, especially if it was, you know, the kind of development that they needed to be able to play well in the big 12 tournament. And then in turn play well in the NCAA tournament. So like if it was Kansas loses four more games, the rest of the way, you know, heart heartbreaking games, the rest of the way in the regular season. um, But they make a run to the elite eight and potentially the final four. I take that in a heartbeat because you already know that this is one of the toughest conferences. Like right now it's survive the conference. Put yourself in a good position for March because that's what people really care about. And I can guarantee you that every other KU fan that actually pays attention to basketball and understands just how much of a crapshoot that tournament is and how big of a deal it is to be able to to get to the Elite Eight or the Final Four, um, they would take that trade in a heartbeat. The one thing is, though, luckily, you don't have to make that trade with the sponsor here on the podcast, and that is Charlie Hustle Clothing Company. Charlie Hustle is a Kansas City-based, vintage-inspired Clothing Company has tons of collegiate stuff for more than 30 different schools, including the Kansas Jayhawks and, of course, a whole bunch of our Big 12 rivals. Look, if I was not a Jayhawks fan, I would absolutely love and have tons of the collection for things like Iowa State and potentially even Kansas State. They have some good ones there. I know it's hard to it's it's hard to actually stomach saying that. But um, they also have just a fantastic hometown collection for the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, you know, who are who are now Super Bowl bound and plenty of other teams as well. If you go over to CharlieHustle.com use promo code ten twelve fifteen. You can get 15 percent off of all non sale items. That's a lot of different items at this point. Um And it's not limited to just the Jayhawks. It's not limited to just big 12 teams. It's not limited to just a single time use. You go over there whenever you want to get pick up some new stuff. Use that promo code. Make sure you're saving. It's a lot of really great stuff. I have I already have a bunch of it. Uh, and they haven't been sponsoring the podcast very long, so you know, they have. They just dropped some new shirts in the last few weeks as well: a Level Up T-shirt, a Slam and Jam and Jayhawks T-shirt, um, and a bunch of other things. So again, charliehustle.com, dot promo code ten twelve fifteen save fifteen percent off of all non sale items. Charlie Hustle, vintage made fresh. All right. Uh, before we throw it to break, did you want to follow up at all on on my last comments? Because I realized that that I was so eager for the transition; it looked like you were about to talk.
0: No, it's okay. I was just going to say for for anyone who's who's concerned, and maybe this brings it. And looking ahead to Oklahoma State a little bit, if they might hit a bunch of threes because they actually are a decent three point shooting team. But I don't think that's. I'm working. I, I'm working on the preview now. I don't think that's reason for concern, and we can talk about that. But like, the, Oklahoma State was the rare team when Kansas actually, um, just, like, they did not shoot well. They shot six of twenty one. Uh, from three, and it was actually the fewest amount of threes that they've made in the game since uh, the start of Big Twelve against Baylor, and then before that, like since uh, the November Thanksgiving tournament. So, like they, they, they are they are pretty adept at making threes at a thirty five percent clip ish, and so don't be surprised if that happens. But I don't think that's cause for concern at home because there's enough other things that Oklahoma State could struggle with um, that Kansas could give them fits if yeah. if they're for. to that point,
2: um, 47% of their shots are three pointers uh, in conference play for, for Oklahoma State. Uh, I mean, 45%, you know, nas- or for the entire schedule, but they are a team that lives and dies by the three, even more so, um, or roughly even with like BYU. The problem is that they just don't have as good of shooters and they get bullied on the inside, which is something that Kansas did in spades in that first game. Um, and so. I fully expect Kansas to take full advantage of that again. Um, the real question is just are they going to be able to uh, to kind of really push that forward and really take advantage of that. I do want to talk more about the game, but before we do that, I do need to go ahead and throw it to a quick break. We'll be right back on the Rock Chalk Podcast. And we're back. I'm here with Kyle Davis. Just got done talking about the loss up in Ames uh, on Saturday. Uh, getting a little bit into this game coming up against Oklahoma State, uh, how much do you think – is different for this team. Cause like we saw against, you know, over on the women's side, we saw that Iowa state, um, you know, they played Kansas again for the second time. And like the teams weren't that much different, but the game played out a whole lot differently. I think because of scouting reports and the way that they approach the game, how much difference are you actually expecting in this game?
1: Lucky Land casino asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky lucky in line at the deli, I guess. I in my dentist's office. A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Uh, it's interesting because, you know,
0: I was looking this up as well for the preview. It- Kansas has obviously won the last five in Allen Fieldhouse, but they haven't all been as, maybe as much of a blowout as you would think, considering where Oklahoma State's program is. So, like Oklahoma State was only ranked one of the last five times. And yet, last year, if you remember, it was a 69 to 67 nail biter that Kansas narrowly won. Uh, before that, it was 14 points, 12 points. There was that 25 point blowout um, back in the 2019 20, 20 season with that team that never got a shot, thanks to COVID. Thanks a lot, COVID. Uh, and then before that was, uh, was a 12-point win. So it's one of those things where like Oklahoma State actually plays Kansas like pretty well in, in the field house. Like they don't seem to get too rattled. And and um, so, so, again, I don't think it's a panic worthy if you don't beat them by 20. The interesting thing to me is you're right. Man, going back and looking, I I knew that Kansas dominated the paint. I don't think I realized how good it was that they shot from inside the arc and uh, Adams and and Dickinson uh, combined were 17 to 22 from two point range. Like they just did whatever they wanted. Um, And I think it'll be really interesting to see because Brandon Garrison is the four star freshman for Oklahoma State who guarded Dickinson in the first game. Really struggled. It looked like, you know, Dickinson just kind of had that, like, old man game. Like, hey, I know more. Like, I've been in this longer. Like, I know more of the moves. I'm going to teach you something. Uh, Garrison's actually coming off his best game. He had 20 points against West Virginia. Like, that tied his season high. He, I'm interested to see if Garrison has learned anything from the first matchup and how he plays Hunter and if that's any different or if Kansas can still dominate. Because the, the two things that go wrong for, for the Cowboys – is that they turn the ball over a lot, um, like 19.5%. is one of the worst in the country. And then they aren't good at, at protecting the middle uh, on defense. And that's where Kansas just absolutely demolished them. And, and Oklahoma State turned it over, you know, a bit in, in the first round. I mean, they had 14 turnovers. It wasn't nothing. And Kansas had seven steals in there. But um, that's one of those where, like, if even if Oklahoma State, you know, hits 10 threes in this one, if they can't stop Dickinson and, and it, Adams inside, and if they turn it over 15 times and Kansas can, you know, keep it to maybe 10 turnovers or fewer, it's hard to see the Cowboys having enough firepower offensively um, to make this one work. Cause you've even solid they've, it seems like the this Cowboys team, like they they do one or two aspects really well, but they can't put it all together. Like it was pretty incredible to see that they only turned it over five times against TCU, who turns a ton of like turns the ball over a ton. Uh, but then they just, you know, and they even made 10 of the 27 threes. But TCU dominated the paint. They shot shot 65% from inside the arc. Like it it, it seems like Oklahoma State has three big areas. It's defending the paint, it's not turning the ball over, and it's making threes. Seems like they can do two of the three and get the, get it close, but they have to do all three against Kansas and then Kansas, you know, kind of gift wrap them some on here as well um, in order to do that, because that was the, that was how they won against West Virginia on Saturday. They only let West Virginia shoot 41% from two point range. Like that's, and they turned it over, you know, they only made eight threes. They turned it over 13 times. The turnovers were about even West Virginia plays very similarly. Um, but that's the key like if, if Dickinson and, and Adams can go to work like they did before then you, you've got to think that Kansas has enough offense and then on defense it's going to come down to I'm sure Bryce Thompson will play well because he always plays well against Kansas it seems like um, but who else is going to step up and do it and that that matchup specifically with Brandon Garrison the freshman and Dickinson I'm really interested to to watch
2: yeah it is really interesting because like you said I mean Dickinson was still having issues with his knee back then. It very much was a, I'm going to use your aggressiveness and your, um, you know, that athleticism that you're trying to use as an advantage. I'm going to use it against you um, with positioning and like the way that he was able to kind of control the inside of the paint there. The other thing that really jumped out to me on this one is, you know, Dickinson didn't have to do all of it because you had, you know, he had 30 minutes, but Parker Brown had 10 minutes and had two blocks as well. So Hunter Dickinson, Parker Brown, uh, together and and then KJ Adams together had five blocks against Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State didn't have a single block and I think that was the big difference is that Oklahoma State does not necessarily have an inside presence defensively and and Kansas is not only good with you know posting Hunter Dickinson up and letting him go to work um but just slashing guys in KJ Adams like this was a this was this was kind of the breakout game for Johnny Murphy like the one that started it. Um, it wasn't the one that he got the most recognition for, but he was he was the MVP according to Ken Palm, uh, you know, with 15 points, uh, seven rebounds, two assists, two blocks. Like this is a game that he or a style of play that he really thrives in, where he has the ability to kind of drive into the basket or he can leak out for you know an, an open shot. And and this passing team of the Jayhawks, I mean, they had 21 assists on 31 shots in the last game, um, which I mean we're used to kind of ridiculous numbers for them. Uh, I'm sorry. Twenty-one assists on on thirty-six makes because I was looking at the two pointers. I'm so used to the other the other the the CBB analytics that I look at for the women that has field goal percentage and then three point percentage, not not two point. Um, But yeah, I mean this is a this is a Kansas team that shares the ball really well, opens up those opportunities, and Oklahoma is not or Oklahoma State is not quick enough to be able to to kind of counteract that and shut it down. So um, I'm not that worried about this game. I mean, I could see this being a game where just because of injury sake and depth sake, that maybe Kansas struggles and have to you know put it away at the end and win by seven or eight points. Um, I could also see this being a game where again they just outclass them in every single way, and you know Kansas gets up by thirty points, you know, like late in the second half, and then it's just what's the final margin going to be? And so I, I'm not that worried about this one. Like I said, the only. The old, this is the only game left on the schedule where I would immediately be concerned about what's happening if they were to lose the game. Um, so like barring huge foul trouble or, you know, someone gets ejected for something like if there's some sort of in-game reason for why everything falls apart, I'll be OK. But if but, you know, if it's just that Oklahoma State outplayed them, then, yeah, that that would be a worry. But even then, you can point to the depth issues and you can point to the injury issues. You can point to a bunch of different stuff to show why this team is having the struggles that it is. But again, I'm not that worried. I'm actually more excited to kind of see how they get up for this game against Houston on Saturday. So anything else on Oklahoma State or do you want to spend just a couple minutes on Houston before we get out of here?
0: No, I think we covered Oklahoma State pretty well.
2: Yeah, I am going to try to have somebody on to preview the Houston game um so we can do like a full preview but i do i am very interested in your initial thoughts if you've looked ahead to them if you had a chance to actually watch what they can do i know that they've struggled a little bit on the road um i mean iowa state and tcu they lost those back-to-back games but you know they went they went to byu and won by seven um you know just a week ago so and then of course we'll get to see how they do on big monday against texas um but I mean, what are your thoughts about this Houston team? Is there anything specific that you're either worried about or that you're looking forward to?
0: Yeah, I mean, I I watched the – I I actually watched about the first 10 or 15 minutes of the Houston-Kansas State game on Saturday before Kansas tipped off. I've I've obviously watched them throughout the year and other points too. You know, the defense is what you point to. um, And I think in particular the thing about the defense is that they will just – like they're they're good to to, like – pressure you and then let you beat yourself uh, and then capitalize on it I think um, obviously they have some three-point shooting um, strength there with like LJ crier going over that should be a familiar name for people coming over from Baylor um, their weakness is two-point shooting like it's interesting to see even in some of those wins like even the the k- State win that was um, a route from the beginning I think it started like 11 nothing something like that you know they only shot 44 from inside the arc they're not a big team like they they don't play anybody significant minutes that is taller than six eight so they are the smaller fast scrappy um kind of bulldog defense type team which makes it interesting then when you know like k-state doesn't really have that much size either i'm interested to see you know it, it's one of those things can you can you shoot well from, from two-point range, Houston? Like and can you keep them from shooting well from two-point range? And then um, you know, how how can the big guys play? Because really, when you look at Houston's schedule, they have they've gone up against a bunch of, of really good guard-oriented teams. Iowa State's a great guard-oriented team, TCU's a great guard-oriented team, BYU is an excellent guard-oriented team. They really haven't gone. I mean, that's why I think I'm specifically interested in the Texas game tonight. Even though you know, I think even guys like Dylan Dessou, like how does how does someone like uh, Dylan Dessou, you know, play against Houston? Because it really doesn't seem like Houston has gone up against that that big guy like Hunter Dickinson um, and had to contain him. So I'm curious what to see what happens there. Because obviously, yes, the team, the defense is legit. Um, you know, they are really good at not turning the ball over. That's how they're, I think turnovers are so impactful because they don't immediately just give it back. Uh, and they and they can get hot from three, but that I think the, the combination of, they don't get to the line much and they don't shoot well from, um, from inside the arc. And that kind of, you see that watching them, like they do a lot of fadeaways. They don't necessarily attack at the basket that much and draw a bunch of fouls. That's very good for Kansas. who can't afford to give up a bunch of fouls. And then, you know, you got to hope that, that someone like Jamal Shedd um, or LJ Cryer, you know, goes, you know, two of nine from two-point range or, or whatever it may be, um, you know, they basically have that three-headed monster of Cryer, Shed, and then Emmanuel Sharp. And you got to, you know, one of them can go off on you. One of them probably will because it's an Allen Fieldhouse and it's an opponent shooting. I'm sure someone will go eight of 12 from three but can you contain the other two uh, and make them take really difficult shots, especially in the lane?
2: Yeah. The other thing I'm looking at with, with Houston is that they average a lot of fouls. Like not only do they not get to the line very much, they send their opponents to the line quite a bit. Um, in fact, uh, roughly 40% of field goal attempts have a foul called (laughs) like that's how bad it is for Houston. Um, I believe that they've averaged no less, or they've, they average about 18 to 19 personal fouls per game. Um, so almost enough to foul out like, ha- or, you know, like half the starting lineup. Um, that's going to give Kansas a lot of and, – and you look at the teams that they played, a lot of the ones where they had the biggest foul discrepancies or, or where they had the most issues with fouls, those were the games against teams that had a big man. Like that's where they had the most fouls. And so I'm looking at this potentially being a foul-filled game there can be tons of people that are not going to be very happy about that. I probably won't be very happy about that as well, just because it disrupts the flow. It makes the game less fun to watch. But um, I do think it will benefit the Jayhawks. One, it'll keep the pace kind of slowed down a little bit so they're not dealing with them rushing back and forth. Um, but I think the other thing that it does is it, you know, forces Houston to be a little bit more careful offensively because that's how they've been so good. You know, they turn a lot of defense to offense. Um, but then they they score pretty quickly to put pressure on your offense to play recklessly, uh, which then helps their defense. So they're one of the few teams, I think, that can turn their offense into good defense on the other end because much like, you know, all those shootouts with uh, with Patrick Mahomes and, and uh, you know, Alex Smith with the Chiefs where they were scoring, you know, 60 points and the question was, can you stop them? Um, you know, if you are scoring as much as Houston is able to score a lot, it puts so much pressure on your opponent to be able to go ahead. And in fact the two games where they lost were games that were played in the fifties and sixties. Like you, you slow them down, you break their offense and sure their defense can play well, but a slow grind them out game. Like this could potentially be, I think would benefit the Jayhawks a lot. Yeah. Agreed. But again, survive in advance. Like just all you have to do is, uh, you know, win this Oklahoma state game on, on Tuesday, if you win the one on against Houston on Saturday, awesome bonus, and then you have, you know, short turnaround, you're heading over to Allen, or to Manhattan uh to face Kansas State and I thought about making the trip this this year. I don't think I'm going to be able to make it. Um it's definitely um going to be an interesting game. I'm not really sure how good Kansas State is going to be at that point though. They've they've been struggling recently, so
0: They're they're another very streaky team offensively
2: yeah, that's, yeah we'll, we'll have the ability to talk about them next week because we should be back to podcasting on our normal Sunday time to get it out on Monday but um, Kyle anything else about either of these games or the games that have come up recently we, we didn't talk a lot about a, a lot about the women but I think it's just fair to say it was a it was a rough it was a rough game for them against Oklahoma um, definitely plenty of opportunities for them to to push and get get a lead and and be able to stay in that one they just ran out of gas at the end Holly Kersgeeter, in a bit of a slump. I think a lot of it is because teams have just started completely shutting her down. Um, But it was a good bounce-back game for, like, Wyvet Mayberry and Jakae Franklin, who both had really big games. And Tyana Jackson only scored, like, six points um, but had 14 rebounds. So, you know, fantastic uh, ability for her to stay in the game and to have a huge impact. But they just, unfortunately, weren't able to do much on the road. I thought they played much better defense, though, on the road for this game than they have you know, And, and, and you're face, you are facing the number two team in the conference right now. So um, not necessarily super unexpected, but they come home to play BYU on Tuesday. Uh, no, sorry, on Wednesday. So we have Oklahoma State men at home on Tuesday. Uh, then you have the BYU women coming to Allen Fieldhouse on Wednesday. And then the women are back out on the road for Saturday while the men host Houston. So a full week of really good college basketball. We will keep an eye out for any kind of football news. Oh, one thing we didn't actually talk about that maybe you have some thoughts really, really quick, Travis Goff, um, you know, in congratulating the Chiefs kind of maybe dropped a hint that uh, we're pretty close to hearing about the Jayhawks playing in Memorial Stadium next year. Yeah,
0: or at Arrowhead, right? Or yeah, 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 that's
2: what I meant, Arrowhead. I was thinking Memorial Stadium is being worked on. Yes, Arrowhead Stadium is where they're talking about potentially playing next year. I've been hearing plenty of rumors about it. I've been hearing plenty of details of what some of that might entail, but we're still waiting to see if it's actually going to happen um, no matter how likely it, it seems and how much, how much sense it makes.
0: Yeah. Well, and, and cause there's so much, you know, it's not even just the logistics around playing at Arrowhead. It's also the logistics around like, if you're, if you're trying to do two home games, like what does that look like from a fan attendance, you know, amenity standpoint. And then, what other options are even there i know i i heard something get thrown out around like children's mercy park or sporting KC plays like you know i don't know what the and they've hosted football before they hosted hosted like the division two championship before and that sort of thing but yeah i think that was a nice that caught a lot of people's attention there uh in that tweet um yesterday afternoon so uh yeah i think that would be it, it would be obviously a a very cool experience for the players and something that, you know, you can say and use as a thing and say, Hey, you know, you're going to you go know, get to see what life is like playing in an NFL stadium uh, before, you know, we get you ready to go off and, and make that your career. And so I don't know if it's going to be every game, even if it's only two games and they work out some different things, I think it would be, it would be a, a cool experience. And hopefully they can figure out a way to make sure students can get up there and, and work out, you know, different, um, packages and whatnot to make sure that there's still plenty of KU faithful. Cause that's one of the things, if you play in a pro stadium, you don't want 15,000 people there. Um, and, and to see 40,000 empty seats. Uh, and you, also, more obviously you also don't so, want yeah.
2: like 20,000 of your own fans, but like 30,000 of the opposing fans because Hey, there's correct. Yeah. So. Um, yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I mean, I think it's going to be a great thing. From what I've heard um, it was actually part of the recruiting pitch for some of the transfers that they're going after. So um, you know, this is something that I think has been in the works for quite a while. We're just waiting for the final, much like Lance Leipold's contract, just waiting for everything to, uh, to finally be, you know, the, the, the I's dotted and the T's crossed and all that to make sure that it's finally official. So,
0: um, sooner than later on that, please.
2: Yeah. Ho- hopefully we'll have please both thank of those. You. Hopefully we'll have both of those as topics that we can talk about next week. So, uh, you know, knock on wood, hope it happens. Um, you know, we, we dodged another one with apparently Lance Leipold being the, um, highest rated outside, uh, option for Michigan's head coaching. Of course they went with Sharon Moore, who is the, the offensive coordinator there, but, um, and the right
0: choice. He Oh yeah. It. Oh yeah. Yeah.
2: Definitely earned it. Um, not even just because of, you know, selfishly not wanting Lance Leipold to be seriously connected to another.
0: No, but like what really. he did while Harbrook was suspended. It was, painful. oh, right, right. Yeah.
2: Yeah. 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 They've, they've been able to see enough of him, um, to be able to do that. So, all right, but that is going to do it for us today. Kyle, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you guys so much for listening. If you have not already, please do go out wherever you get your podcast where it's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, any of the other million apps that are out there. Just search for Rock Chalk Podcast. You subscribe. Get every episode as soon as it comes out. If you guys are rating and a review, five stars, nice comments, it would be absolutely fantastic. But if for whatever reason you can't do that, just let us know what it is we can be doing better. We really do bring the podcast so you guys get you all the information you need in as entertaining a way as possible. So if you have any comments, questions, suggestions, people you want to try to interview, anything like that, contact me by email at gmail.com. We're on Twitter at Rock Chalk Pod. We, of course, are part of the 1012 Podcast Network, uh, covering all the teams in the Big 12 Conference, including some of the new ones coming in. Uh, go over to 1012network.com to get links to all the great shows that we have. And, man, there are a lot of great shows. Um, any, any any team you want information about, you're going to find something over there. You can also support us over on Patreon, patreon.com slash 1012network. That's T-E-N-1-2 network. Um, for just 5 bucks a month, you can support any of the shows in the network. Um, that are over there on there. So make sure you visit our sponsors, uh, Prize Picks and Charlie Hustle. And that's going to do it for us today. Uh, thank you guys so much for listening. We will catch you guys next time on the Rock Chalk Podcast.
1: Sports Social Podcast Network.
0: plus.